Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 427 on Tuesday, the 21st of September 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be off to Russia with lorries. We find out how one company is spreading its wings with EV charging locations. And we ask if we have any future classics today. I've just realised, by the way, 427, that's a Chrysler Hemi, isn't it? Somebody, big, small block? Uh, Somebody will tell me. Okay. Somebody will tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm probably wrong because it's American cars. I'm not very good on American cars. Uh, we'll have to work on that. I'll stop interrupting. On you go. Follow up, Andrew. Follow up, yes. Uh, back in February, we talked about the, well, it seemed very bizarre and exciting news that didn't involve Gon and a case. But a gentleman from Sweden was arrested whilst dining with someone from the Russian embassy just after he'd been handed a wadge of cash where it was claimed he was passing on secrets from Scania and Volvo. Well, that case has gone through court now, and he has in fact been convicted of spying for Russia by selling secret information for Scania, but has been acquitted on passing on the information about Volvo cars. Because they can get it all from China. (laughs) (laughs) The gentleman is supposed to have been doing this for some time. But his lawyer has said that he would appeal and still says that he is innocent. The court, on the other hand, said that the man regularly received cash at his meetings with a Russian embassy official, which it considered was compensation for the information provided. So there you go. He just received 27,800 krona, or about $3,242. I think that one's going to rumble on spies, but not quite in the cap. Mm. Do you want to take us to our Bill Oddy section? Well, yes. And unusually, it's me doing that for a change. Thank goodness. Osprey Charging are going to introduce 150 electric vehicle charging hubs across the UK in the next four years. So that's going to add up to about 1,500, 150 to 175 kilowatt rapid chargers. Uh, sites along a roads and close to motorways obviously they can't be at motorway service areas well not yet not yet don't forget the government is investigating that and seeing whether Hmm. that is actually a fair deal for for drivers stroke consumers Mm -hmm. so hopefully that changes (laughs) hopefully that changes exactly but but 1500 that's a lot of charges yeah that's a lot it is 75 million pounds worth supposedly Mm. which is good that's a lot of as you say, it's a lot of charges. Uh, so we'll see how widely spread they are as, as that comes out. I mean, they've announced they've started the first ones this week. They've been upgrading places, pubs, actually, <laughs> two around Liverpool and one in Carmarthen. Do you remember when there was just nothing there? Yes. Look at that. That's a... That's a yeah. Well, so what we said when we mentioned charging around Britain, if we did it again today, I think we could actually do the coast of wales this time there's an article about in the herald now i haven't got the physical copy yet my dad was was sending me it down about driving around the north coast of scotland in an ev and and there was this competition to do it and i thought really did inverness to glasgow via john o'groats and scurry in a day just but it was in, in a, a day. car with that just it was just within the day we were just before midnight yep. when we arrived <laughs> As we checked in. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, that's quite bad, actually. Now, I think that's 17 hours or something ridiculous. Uh, and that was in a car with, what, 120 miles range? Yep. Boy, did I squeeze it out rolling into Ullapool. But so, yeah, I just want... 
sorry i don't mean to go oh it's so easy these days because of course there's far far more evs on the road there's more competition for the charges than there was back then but kids today they didn't know what like we had it in our day exactly <laughs> i i still quite like that we can do that anyway the plan is for all of these hubs to be nice and close to local amenities they're saying the first four hubs will be placed next to well-known coffee and food retailers good and contactless or smartphone uh, you don't need a membership or a subscription supposedly Cool. Thanks to Yes Auto for that story. Anyway, Andrew, are you going to tell us about Renault and job cuts and job gains and yes, I'm going to do not being able to do maths. I'm, yes, I'm going to do Renault maths. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the uh, the headline from Reuters is Renault plans 2,000 job cuts in France as it moves to electric cars. Now we talked about the Renaultion or whatever it was called. It is Renaultion, yeah. And how they will be converting one of their major sites to look you know, look at the whole life cycle of electric vehicles, so from building them to recycling them and all this sort of stuff. Now, as part of that, they stated that they were going to lose 2,000 engineering and support jobs. Well, I think that's positions more than jobs, because later on in the article, it goes on to say that they will, in fact, make a further 2,500 positions for the new functions and roles that will come up as a consequence so yes. uh, people will change job titles some people will leave and go elsewhere other people will come in and accept these new these new positions that have opened up so, so it's 500 increase is actually what the headline should have been if they were going to mm-hmm. be properly accurate and not dramatic <laughs> yes thank you reuters for that nasty piece of yes. nasty piece of headline <laughs> click baitiness <laughs> Well, take us to some generally good news for the UK automotive. Well, yeah, it is generally, to be honest. The It's a report out from the SMMT, their 2021 sustainability report. And what it's saying overall is that UK automotive fleet has recorded its best ever year for carbon emissions reduction. Now, this is a number of different aspects uh, all combined together. But generally, the fleet, uh, the average CO2 per vehicle has dropped quite significantly by 11.8% overall. That's a heck of a chunk as well. It is a heck of a chunk. 11.8. Yeah, a lot of it's to do with, with simply the number of battery electric vehicles, hybrids, plug-in hybrids that are now part of the, the mix of, of what people are buying, leasing, or registering. Mm-hmm. And that's quite quite massive. In the same kind of breath, it's pointing out that, that it's not just what's kind of coming out the end of the factories and of, of the production that is dropping in terms of general consumption, in inverted commas. They pointed out that it's 14.2% less energy was used to manufacture vehicles. 36.8% less water was used on average per vehicle. But that's been since the turn of the millennium, by the way. So those are big numbers, yes, but they do actually cover the last 20 years. Really impressive. Yeah, because there's a bit of a blip, isn't there? Unfortunately, last year, due to the pandemic, that there was a slight increase in the energy and a slight increasing waste to landfill and water usage it's a certain amount of that is it is it because it's per vehicle so if you if there's some stuff that you can't really stop and you're producing fewer vehicles or a few vehicles coming out at the end then obviously the amount per vehicle goes up that has to be amortized over a few yeah i mean so that's kind of what happened so there was a it was the per vehicle number i can understand the energy increase because also they'll be stopping the plant starting it again 
using more energy. Totally. The bit that gets me is the waste to landfill, though, up nearly 20%, which I was... Do you have any you... idea why you think that might be? Because I, I, I couldn't work that out. No, but what I was going to point out first was that over, that since the turn of the millennium, waste per landfill, it, it sounds bad to say it's up 20%, but overall it's down 98.7%. Oh, yes, yes. Yep. Let's be aware that, sure, it's up, but but it's been dropping quite significantly over the years. I, I'm not really sure why it would be up 19.9%, unless there's an awful lot of PPE going in there. Um, the, the only other, there the, might be lots of single-use kind of coverings and, and things like that. So I, I'm not really sure. What I could think of was that due to lack of staff mm-hmm. in, say, recycling plants, stuff just went to landfill. Or, you know, That's th- a possibility a le- as well. Because there was less people working the options mm-hmm. on what to do with this thing reduced. And I know, I mean, locally, we've, we've still got slight restrictions on our going to our um, local recycling centre mm. and stuff. Well, so. it could be, could be some of that kind of stuff. That, that's completely, completely possible as well. Mm. Or just more single-use stuff. Yeah. That's happening so much as, as well right at the minute. I mean, you, you just see the number of gloves and masks and stuff that get scattered around industrial right. estates at the minute it's pretty yeah. grim lots of good numbers a couple of which don't look so good but you can kind of understand why given context but yeah no, there's no point using context stuff. who needs that <laughs> quite thank you annual turnover by the way uh, looking at the economic states up 25.7 percent compared to 1999 so 60.2 billion pounds it's quite a significant industry, that. Yeah, but look at the R&D costs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Threefold, well, a threefold increase in spending. It doesn't mean it has to be. It's 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 not necessarily a cost. Spending is good. Sorry, yes. No, but that's what I meant, though. But it, we, that is on the, on the spreadsheet. That is in the R&D column, not somewhere else. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So if people are asking, why, why is a Fiesta 20 grand? Well, hmm. They were doing quite well for twenty grand. Well, if you look at it, the amount—I mean—that's up since since says as it says here, nineteen ninety-nine. But if you think the amount of R and D that's had to go into replacing diesel engines, well, there's lots of R and D went into creating diesel engines, yep. then replacing diesel engines, and then going, oh my goodness, we need some kind of midway thing. So hence we've got uh, mild hybrids and plug-in hybrids—a completely new thing in that period. Mm-hmm. As well, even remember 1999, we're just seeing the the first first Prius, yeah, the first commercially available hybrid. So there's entire chunks of of propulsion systems, mm. very clever propulsion systems, which just didn't exist back then. Yeah, and, and you know, and the industry's called dinosaurs and all the rest of it, but they've moved pretty quick. And then you look at the safety tech, let alone the driver assistance tech. Yeah. It's, the, the, yeah. the changes have been phenomenal in incredibly short space of time. They are, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, I work in business transformation and all this kind of stuff, as people are possibly aware, and trying to get big companies to change and do things. Something like that is a significant change in a big company. And actually, automotive and, 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 and manufacturing can generally change far far quicker than than say than most other industries where of where there are organizations of similar similar size i mean banking finance and stuff like that you yeah it's all just yeah <laughs> did you see the, the people will have seen the look of horror at least heard the horror in my voice at that i'm sure yeah. right talking of change i'm going to move us on to the news that the dvla 
is going to scrap uh, physical driving licenses starting from 2024, apparently, where it will initially open with provisional license applications. Now, this is according to their strategy over the next little while. So it's a strategy. It might not happen. It is a target. Yes. Okay, so let's be very clear on that kind of thing. Let's also be very clear that they announced that you were going to get these digital driving licenses to accompany the card and everything else because it's going to be phased. Don't panic. But they announced that way back in 2016 that it was almost upon us. It is now 2021. There is a, a significant pinch of salt being taken with this, although I imagine that they have stopped and started the program about three times since then. So whilst they might be go, they might say, we ruled this out in 18 months or something. Yes, after about four failed attempts, I'm sure. Sorry. Yes. Experience of government IT. But I would, I would say that following the uh, COVID app, and stuff like that, there is more likelihood this will happen this time because they have experience of rolling something out to that size and that sort of complexity. And that platform. Now, what you're saying is, is yes, you're right. However, uh, you're assuming it's the same group of people and the oh, same no, external consultancy that's, imported, that's implementing this and therefore the lessons learned will be passed on. Um, no, no. I know that one. Yeah. Happen. I know that yeah. that bit won't happen, unfortunately. But anyway, moving on from the implementation and our, our various mental scars, <laughs> <laughs> mental scars around this kind of project and program, I actually I th- I don't have an issue with this at all. This is one of these things. I know I am a digital native uh, or something equally pretentious, but um, I don't have a problem with this. And what I've been noticing, you're right about the COVID app and stuff. It's normalised this an awful lot for a lot of people. So even my my mum is starting to learn how to use the wallet app on her phone to hold pass and test results and passes and test results and these kind of things. Even my dad was almost mentioning it the other day, and he's just a bit slow on these things because he's lazy. But the he also doesn't listen to the podcast, as you might have noticed. Uh, but I think that it's more normalized behavior to hold passes and things on in a digital wallet like that. 2024 it's not exactly rushing around the corner i'm sure people won't be whipping the physical driving licenses away from people i don't have a problem with it you're more trusting than me i know i'm more trusting than you but i i figure that that oh, uh, you know. to be honest the, the, the battle's lost the genie the, the battle is lost with that because the the covid app is there and now if you make any argument you have uh, a bunch of nonsense counter arguments yeah. thrown in your face which are, which are farcical, but no one's going to move from that position. The problem is what they will do with the data and how sharey they get with the data, because we've seen issues with but the companies the do government have done stuff with. you believe they'll be able to do it, to, to do anything with, with it? That That's my thing is, it's great. But, yeah, but no, look at, look at the companies who've, who have been, the companies the government has stopped working with, in the last couple of months, Palantir is one mm-hmm. because they got mm-hmm. taken to court. We had yeah. no consultation, and don't forget how horrific Palantir are with data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So this, this, yeah, this I'll... is that's my concern. It's, it's not that someone's going to hack it because they will do what they can to make sure that doesn't happen. We all mm-hmm. 
have that risk if we you have can, a phone you anyway. Can, you can make a fake card or you can, you know, as, as well. So Yeah, but that doesn't, that's not quite the same thing. But okay, I know what you mean. I know, I know you but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, but it's my problem is who they pass that info on to. Does the government start working like a lot of tech companies and go, let's share this information? But the information exists anyway. They can we'll make them work for around it with that anyway. But anyway, the, the other thing which I think is actually uh, in, a good thing in all this is um, moving MOTs to a more digital. Why are MOT? Why do we get a paper thing for an MOT? It it seems pointless anyway. Why do we get a paper certificate for it when it's all online anyhow? So yes, I agree. So yeah, but it's the, it's the booking them online as well that you'll be able to do. That's, that's yeah, going to be part useful, of the system. I but I I don't I, understand why that needs to be centralised because you book through a separate carriage. But exactly, I, I yeah. Unless I, it's I'm, I'm less... unless it's uh, just so that the the DVLA knows you've actually made the effort to book it in. So if you do get stopped on the way to the MOT station, you I I'm really grasping at straws. True, I have but no I, idea. I have less of a less. Of, I uh, yeah. Yeah, that that that's a control thing by the sounds of it. I'm I'm less enamoured by that. I'd rather be able to just book it myself. But. Yeah, I presume you will. It's just they'll be notified. Phone up and go. Can you put me in for an MOT anytime I, soon? And I'll just leave the car with you and take it round. I, I think that all that will happen is that that it, it will get registered. It'll it'll be registered with them that it's been booked in. Yeah, and the nice. garage will probably do that. <laughs> yeah, right. You'd hope so. You'd hope it would all be part of the one system, wouldn't you? No, come on, let's not let's not go down there because you'll get depressed again. <laughs> it's the end of the first part, though. Start twitching. That's why this is on. Uh, that's why this is audio. <laughs> uh, but yes, end of the first part. That means it's guilt minute. That quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on, the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand that, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, and thank you, by the way, to new patrons as well, then the last thing you can do, of course, is to recommend us to friends or colleagues. Yes, thank you, everybody. Right, new, new car news. Uh, yeah, first one falls to me this week. Yeah, uh, we're not getting it. That's it. That's oh, all you need God. to know. You could have it's led up to that. The <laughs> uh, new Subaru WRX. Uh, so, of course, Subaru WRX, uh, I was going to say is a saloon these days, which is ridiculous considering it started out as a saloon. So, Subaru WRX is back. There will be an STI form, and it will be powered by the same 2.5-litre engine that's going to go into the new GR86 and Subaru BRZ. It looks like a sharpened up version of the previous one. Uh, given mm. you some time ago, I drove the final edition uh, here in the UK. And yeah, it looks like a sort of, this one still looks still sort of a little bit black cladding-y around the, around the wheel arches and, and stuff. So it has a whiff of Outback, uh, but it's very much saloon only. It looks like a sharpened up Subaru. There was a concept they showed at Geneva a few years ago. It looks a lot like that but with a saloon body. 
Yeah, disappointing lack of mad wing. Well, that, I'm sure that'll come with the STI. Oh, it's the STI says so this is not the... Yeah, it says in the, the this Evo, Evo article that'll be linked in the show notes that the stacked rear wing is probably being held back for the STI due in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit SUV style. Uh, I'm sure that once it's got gold rims and big exhausts, it'll be great. There's all sorts of claims around uh, structural rigidity increases and stiffness around suspension mounts and all that kind of thing. Cabin's kind of cool. It's a bit of the old um, a bit of the old big screen in the middle with some actual buttons surrounding it. Uh, shifted below that, obviously, and then traditional Su- Subaru-style steering wheel. Mm. It actually looks a lot like a Toyota steering wheel with a Subaru Boss in it when you look closely. And, and gauges, so it's going to be a bit of a fusion. But that looks more like a rendering to me than it does like an actual picture. So let's hold off any absolute uh, criticism as to whether or not it's physical buttons or haptic or whatever the heck it might be yep. uh, until we've actually seen it in the flesh. But no, not coming to the UK, not coming to Europe. It will probably end up in the USA, but they don't get many of the cars that we get, like the i30N, Focus ST and Seats and these yep. kind of things. So. Oh, mm-hmm. oh no! Oh, manual or CVT as well. CVT. Sorry, stick, stick or CVT. CVT and and a WRX just doesn't it doesn't gel in my mind. No, I, I you know how much I love a CVT. Yeah, but not but the Subaru faked, faked the gear change. But oh, I'm sure in, in that, no, no, that doesn't sound no. right on paper. Yes. Oh, no, it is. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's now capable of red matching downshift, and uh, and there's also ways to, to reduce the the feeling of clutch slip. So there you go. So less springiness, but yeah, faked, faked gears. Going to take us on to a sensible car for sensible people that we are going to get over here. <sighs> now, now. So the 2022 Skoda Fabia. Mm-hmm. Uh, UK prices and specs have been revealed. It's going to start from 14905 which is actually incredibly economical in today's uh, re- motors. Re- yes, but that is quite reasonable, especially as it'll be loaded with stuff. Yep, and then it will go up through to 17000 yeah, to to start with. 495 initially because and they are talking about a Monte Carlo trim Sporty. next uh coming next year, but they haven't mentioned the pricing or the specs for that fully yet. It's a VW group vehicle, so we know that it's going to have all the things you would expect in that size. It looks car. like a Polo with more grill, everyone. <laughs> there you go. It's a Polo with more grill. Yeah, I'm not convinced by the front end, I have to say. I don't mind it, to be honest. I've I just said that as if it's a really bad thing, and it, it is. Oh, come on, it isn't. It's the it's BMW grill that BMW anyone. should have today. They essentially do have that. Some of them have that sort of old Daniela Westbrook, the septum look. <laughs> Expect to see plenty of them on the road. Um, they're going to be using the super mini platform, so they're going to be uh, sharing costs and everything. I like, by the way, that the Fabia Color Edition means you can choose metallic graphite gray or pearl <laughs> effect magic black. But they're um even though the price is that it's 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 definitely a step away from how Skoda was the economical brand of the VW group, isn't it? Yeah, I, I just find myself a bit confused by all of that right now. I mean yeah, is this... is Skoda more premium than Volkswagen? Or is it less premium or what or if I say that's the sporty one, 
is Audi no, no, Sporty Premium and Skoda Premium and then Volkswagen, which is the sort of parent to still... No, but uh, Cupra are the Sporty Sporty. No, but Cupra's the Sporty Sporty. Right. We, I think we're going to need one of the, your another one of your 7D diagrams. The, 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 uh, yeah, the, the ones that you can't do. I'm not sure if there's a sort of matrix of, of sportiness versus econ- economy. Because mm. they're just the sort of the whole costings versus image is all a bit, I don't know, it makes my eyes twitch. Because I can't quite work out how they fit. Uh, sorry, what happened was I was out walking the dog earlier on and somebody went roaring past in one of the monospace Seat Leons mm-hmm. at a rate of knots. And I was trying to go, okay, so a Seat, of course, is someone who is a way of getting a sporty Volkswagen that doesn't cost as much to insure. And and then I was like, but then you've got Cupra, which is a sporty, sporty Volkswagen, which probably costs the same to insure. And you've got Audi, which was always meant to be a more sporty, slightly more comfortable, more luxurious, no, more premium, but more sporty, definitely not more comfortable Volkswagen. And then you've got Skoda, which is a more comfortable Volkswagen, but it's meant to be less premium, but it now looks more premium. Yeah. And at that point, there was this twanging noise and my brain just gave up. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> okay, let's move away from that and take us to the lunchtime read. Uh, lunchtime read, it's a bit of bit, um, it, it's a little bit left field this week, but comedian Suze Kempner did this fantastic thread about her late 90s car obsession and that it wasn't with Ferraris and Porsches, it was with cars in production or for sale in Britain by, by sort of British key companies, so Rover and, and, and Vauxhall and, and all this kind of normally stuff, and her obsession to carrying around Parker's guides and, and quoting quoting reviews at, at people. And <laughs> it's one of these ones where you think, this is being made up, and then you read it and you think, no, there's a level of detail and understanding here <laughs> where you think, this this can't be made up. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on it's quite long so there are a number of there, there are many tweets in here and just some of the background stories uh and stuff it, it's worth a, a read because it, it goes on i mean it, it shouldn't it should be a whole it could be a whole magazine article in itself it's a thread of many many tweets but but yeah have a read because it's 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 quite funny. And it goes into reminiscing about her, her first car, which is Mini. And it, it's just really funny. If you haven't seen it already, I retweeted it, I think, yesterday. So so it should be around there on the internet. But there'll be a link to it, obviously, in the show notes. Yep. Yep, there will. You've just finally had a chance to read through some of it, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah, I, I like the Toyota Previa's one as well. It's one of my favorites. But yeah. The Senator. That was quite a good one. <laughs> yeah, there's loads. Loads and loads and loads. Yep. Right, I'm going to take you on to the list of the week from Jalopnik, and it is, these Lotus-engineered cars didn't have Lotus badges. Which is wrong! Sorry. They do! I can see them in the pictures. On at least one, there is a Lotus badge visible. I think what they meant to say, but couldn't fit it in the title Some was... Some of them have Lotus in the name! It isn't from Lotus Car Company. But it... But, and of course, anyway, the of them's missing. Uh, two of the best are missing. Stepping slightly over that anger, Alan, I'm not going to pick one because uh, there isn't enough. There are only 12. Yeah, so I don't want to do that. Is there one that stands out to you in this? Yes. Go on, then. 
Obviously, two are missing. Do you want to enlighten? Um, yeah, the Azusa Veracross and the Toyota Yaris Jeremin. <laughs> and now, everybody, you are allowed to drink. <laughs> yes. Uh, mine actually is the Isuzu Piazza, the uh, Giorgetto Giugiaro designed Piazza specifically. Uh, and some, oh gosh, it's the Ace of something. Is it Ace of Spades? I think it was based on the Ace of Spades concept car. Turned into a hatch, turned into essentially a slightly nutty in some cases front wheel drive hatchback. So yes, I would do, I would do that. The, the Isuzu Piazza. Yes. Good choice. I would love to ask you yours, but there aren't that many choices. I'm really no, sorry. No, you need and to. And there are some cool ones in there, by the way. There really are. Despite my my shouty screaminess, it was me that suggested this. But one of the put it in the list list of the week, so I can't complain too much. Yeah. So click through on the link in the show notes. Have a go through, and then let us know if you agree with Alan's choice. And if not, what would you pick? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to uh, help us to help? Autocar and the National Motor Museum. <laughs> and finance week. I've actually I've been and done it. Okay. Um so Autocar and the National Motor Museum are on are trying to name a future classic from the vehicles that they anticipate being on sale in the UK in 2022. They're looking for five cars to add to the National Motor Museum in Bewley and keep them as 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 future classics. What they think they're going to be. Now you can vote for this, obviously. Uh, there'll be a link to, I think, the Autocar story in the show notes. Inside that, there is a bit that says, vote here for your favorite modern classic cars. You can click on there. You can choose up to three and then just submit them. There is, that's three from a list of 100, I believe it is. Yeah, they've developed a long list of more, of more than 100 eligible cars that will be on sale in 2022. And what they'll be doing then is they'll be refining those. So they'll take that long list and they'll turn it in, into 10 and then they'll cut that in half and they'll have two groups of, of five somehow. Yep. Okay. First stage will be votes from readers, uh, from Autocar readers or people who are don't read Autocar but are following this, <laughs> following this story from the Motoring Podcast. And them and visitors to Bewley will also be able to, to, to vote as well. Uh, they'll collate all of those. Reveal the 10 semi-finalists, then the five contemporary icons. There we go. So there's a whole sort of knockout-y, competition-y thing. Lots of stuff on the list. Uh, say some things which aren't on sale yet because it's 2022 that they're choosing in. I don't know. Oh, and this voting runs from now until the end of September. Uh, it's the bit that I missed out. But winners will be announced in early 2022. Loads of stuff on the list, everything. If there's a... You should be able to find something that meets your interest from new cars uh, on the list. I mean, I'm, I'm flicking through. There's a Suzuki Ignis, is there? Um, the Lamborghini Huaracan rear-wheel drive is there, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, the BMW i3 is there. That got one of my votes. Mm. Uh, and yeah, all sorts of other stuff. Alfa Romeo, Giulia Quadrifoglio, Stelvio, Alpina B3. So lots of things. Yep. Do click do through. A, do, do select. Do click through. Because then otherwise, yep. do not moan yeah. that your car oh, never made did it they if you ask? didn't try. <laughs> yeah. Who did they ask for this? Well, they asked you. And if you didn't answer, then tough. All the other yous got it instead. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, parish notes. 
Yes. So special edition came out last Friday. Um, I'd had a Lexus UX300E full EV Lexus for a week, and I talked a little bit about that. Uh, don't forget, a week before the preceding special edition, um, I spoke to the car crowd about uh, about investing in classic cars and what that's all about. So do have have a little bit of a listen, because those are two special editions I'm really quite proud of, personally. I quite enjoyed those, recording them uh, and researching them and learning about them. So that was quite good. Mm-hmm. Change to the usual schedule. Uh, next week we'll be recording on Wednesday evening. So um, <laughs> if any of you are still foolish enough to expect an episode on Wednesday mornings, uh, then then it won't be. It, it will be. It will be towards Thursday. Um, yeah, just practical aspects of of that. Linked to that, there may be a change a bit like that, a permanent change a bit like that coming uh, relatively soon. I'll explain more about that, I think, at the time. Yes, probably into October. Um, we might have to, to make a shift. I mean, we've done very well, by the way, keeping Tuesday evenings for the last six years. Yes. Big week next week. It is, actually, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Six, six years of doing this. <sighs> well, six years what? of publishing it. <laughs> Six weeks of publishing. Yeah, you can decide. You can decide what's what's good or bad or whatever. Yeah, that's quite terrifying. Anyway, between now and then, uh, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, please remember you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? Twitter as well, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.